No matter how much the national media wants to write off, undermine, or ignore the Sacramento Kings, De'Aaron Fox can't be denied. It's time he takes his rightful place in the most valuable player conversation in the NBA. He drops 43 points in Sacramento's 129-120 win over San Antonio. The Kings have won five straight, and we're breaking it down right here for you on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E, medical. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. First off, sorry this podcast is getting out so late, so many hours after the Kings' victory over the San Antonio Spurs. I was on high school football duties here with ABC 10 tonight. It's playoffs, and I was at the, if you care, uh, the Folsom Intercom game with the Folsom Bulldogs continuing their winning ways. Speaking of the Folsom Bulldogs, you may have noticed Jake Browning, who's a former Folsom Bulldog, playing quarterback now for the Cincinnati. Bengals after that unfortunate injury uh, to Joe Burrow, but Folsom's a hell of a football program. I was excited to spend my night out there to watch them beat a very, very talented Intercom Tigers team, but I was itching, itching to get back to the ABC 10 studios so I could turn on this camera and say what needs to be said when it comes to De'Aaron Fox and it comes to the national media's treatment, undermining, or narratives surrounding the Sacramento Kings. Let's talk with, uh, about Fox first and foremost for a second. Like I mentioned, 43 points tonight. 14 of 24 from the field. 5 of 11 from three-point range. 8 rebounds. 7 assists. 1 steal. 1 block. He played 41 minutes. This is just his third game back from an ankle injury, ladies and gentlemen. An ankle injury that probably could have held him out longer than it did. De'Aaron Fox is still playing through pain and discomfort. He said that after the Cleveland win. He said that on ESPN after the Lakers win. He is battling through pain, but you wouldn't be able to tell because there is nothing anybody on the planet can do to stop De'Aaron Fox right now. If he wants to score 43 points, he is going to go and score 43 points. De'Aaron Fox leads the NBA in scoring now, averaging 32.2 points per game, and he's back to his clutch Fox ways. He leads the NBA in fourth quarter scoring. The Sacramento Kings are 5-1 and one when De'Aaron Fox plays. They're 2-3 and three with De'Aaron Fox being out. And we've talked about this before, but it bears repeating. It's not just that De'Aaron Fox can score with the best of them at, at this point. It's not just that De'Aaron Fox can fill up a stat line is the fact that the Sacramento Kings as a team are night and day different on the offensive side of the ball. They are blowing their historic records last year out of the water to start this season when Fox plays. When he doesn't play, the Kings are averaging 102 points per game. When he does play, the Kings are averaging averaging 127 points per game. A 25-point-per-game increase when De'Aaron Fox plays versus when he doesn't play. Yeah, you talk about most valuable player. 
You talk about valuable impact. The Kings going from one of the worst offenses in the league to the best by a massive margin because De'Aaron Fox is playing and he's scoring 32 points per game to lead the NBA. What more do you need to insert De'Aaron Fox in the conversation? Now, I'm not saying give him the award today, right? There's other very viable candidates, whether it's Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid for a repeat or, or other names you want to throw out there, right? I'm not saying De'Aaron Fox has already won the award. We're still very early on in the season. What I want and what I expect is for De'Aaron Fox to be put into that conversation. He cannot be ignored. He is undeniable at this point. What he's doing, whether you're doing the eye test, you're looking at the numbers, whatever metric or whatever you need to tell yourself to measure MVP candidates, De'Aaron Fox checks all those boxes. He meets all those metrics. And if you're still not willing to give him the attention that he deserves or insert him into that conversation, that's your problem. You're in denial with how good this man is. And to make things perfectly clear, again, I'm not saying give him the award today. I'm not saying he deserves the award right now over Nikola Jokic or any of those other candidates. I'm saying he belongs in the conversation. He's absolutely top five. Hell, in my opinion, he's top three at this point for all the reasons that I just listed. I have genuinely forgotten what De'Aaron Fox was like before he had his three-point shot. Like, I've forgotten because it's not just that De'Aaron has added the three-point jumper to his game. It's that it's becoming an effective weapon that defenses have to fear. De'Aaron Fox, even with the bad three-point shot, was already difficult to guard. Now he is literally, not virtually, literally unguardable because the man is shooting 38% from three-point range in the six games that he's played so far this season. 19 of 50. The shot is pure. He's shooting it with confidence. He's getting all the spacing in the world because of how much defenses have to sag off him and the other weapons that he's playing with. Luke Louts has done a masterful job of getting that jumper to where it can be as effective and lethal to the point where defenses have to respect it now as much as they do. De'Aaron Fox is a three-level scorer. He can beat you however he wants, and he can do so while also getting his teammates involved. He can do so on the defensive end of the floor. The man is undeniable. And you know what's undeniable at this point, too, is the Sacramento Kings, period. Because I know after the Kings kicked the Lakers' ass the other night, you turn on ESPN and it's Lakers highlights. I was told, I didn't see this, but I was told that you turn on ESPN tonight after the Kings beat the San Antonio Spurs and it was Victor Wimbanyama highlights. Whatever. The Kings continue to be undermined, underappreciated, brushed under the rug because they're the Sacramento Kings. I don't know if that's ever going to change until the Kings are either the best team in the NBA by a wide margin or they actually make a deep playoff run or, or win. Whatever. I'm not really worried about that part. I expect that to this point. And while it's great that the Kings are on a five-game winning streak, I know it's still very early in the season. So I'm not going to get anybody who's ready to completely, or, or, or I don't expect, should I say, anybody who was ripping the Kings or undermining the Kings during the offseason and during the early parts of this season to issue a full apology or to completely walk back what they said, even though we're trending more closer and closer to those apologies needing to be written. But let's not ignore the simple fact here, and this was put eloquently by Damian Barling from ESPN 1320. Big fan of the show, uh, big friend of the show, rather, uh, and I'm, uh, I have the privilege of being able to, to talk with him and, and Kenny Caraway on ESPN 1320 every week. D'Lo put it 
the absolute best that he could put it. The NBA experts were dead wrong about the Kings. They were wrong about the Sabonis-Halliburton trade. They were wrong about how good the Kings would be last season. And now they were wrong about Sabonis being bad in the playoffs or the Kings not being able to win with Sabonis or DeMontis Sabonis being considered the most overrated center in the league or, excuse me, not even center, the most overrated player in the league. That was a legitimate article released by Bleacher Report this offseason. DeMontis Sabonis, the most overrated uh, player in the league. Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer saying the Sacramento Kings cannot win with DeMontis Sabonis, that they need to consider trading him and upgrading that position if they want to actually win an NBA championship. That was, these are the narratives, and those are only two of the many of the ridiculous things that were written and said about the Sacramento Kings. These people are wrong about the Kings, and instead of admitting that they're wrong, they come up with every low-hanging fruit narrative that they can spin to try and undermine Sacramento at literally every turn. Now, I know a lot of Kings fans aren't too happy uh, with Kevin O'Connor because uh, of what he said. Honestly, O'Connor's points were, or, 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 or Connor's uh, thoughts on the Kings or undermining DeMontis Sabonis, to me was the best of all all of the garbage that I read and heard about Sabonis this offseason. Because O'Connor made some good points. I'm not defending the guy, but he talked directly about the Kings winning a championship and their questions as to whether they can win a championship with DeMontis Sabonis as their starting center. I think that's fair. There's questions about everybody on this Kings roster if the Kings can win a championship with them because they haven't gotten there yet. That's a fair question to ask. While I completely disagree with Kevin because I do firmly believe that the Kings can be effective with DeMontis Sabonis. What's pissing me off now at this point is you have him responding to a Kings fan on social media tonight saying, well, he's a great player during the regular season, but we need to see it during the playoffs. We need to see DeMontis Sabonis do it during the playoffs. Cherry-picking success or cherry-picking the numbers that a player has in the playoffs versus the regular season. Prioritizing playoffs for one player and using that to undermine their regular season success while turning to other players and only pointing out their regular season success when they have no playoffs to showcase and giving them all the praise and giving them all the flowers. It's stupid. It's lazy. It's comical. And it's what Kevin and these other people are doing specifically with DeMontis Sabonis to support their narrative. If truly you're not going to give DeMontis Sabonis the credit that he deserves for a 27-point, 14-rebound, 7-assist line tonight. He's averaging 19 points per game, averaging a double-double on the season again. Is back to his all-NBA caliber ways on a Kings team that has won five straight, that is the best in the Pacific Division again, that is now 2-0 in in-season tournament play, leading West Group C. If you're not going to give him the credit for all of that because it's just regular season, then I don't want to hear a damn thing about what Tyrese Halliburton is doing in Indiana. I don't want to hear a damn thing about what Tyrese Maxey is doing with the Philadelphia 76ers. Those are all regular season accomplishments. Last I checked, I haven't seen Tyrese Halliburton put 16, 17 assists on the board 
in a playoff game. You know why? Because he's never played in the playoffs before. So why are we willing to give him all the credit, exalt him as the unbelievable future Hall of Famer that the Sacramento Kings were foolish to trade away? When the Kings have a MVP candidate on this roster and an all-NBA center to boot, but we're not going to give them the credit. We're not going to talk about what they're doing during the, doing during the regular season because they have to prove it during the playoffs. But you know what, Tyrese? You don't have to play a playoff game before we exalt you as the new greatest point guard of this generation. Give me a freaking break. It's cherry-picking is what it is. It's ignorance. And it's just these people lying to themselves or being too stubborn to recognize and admit how good the Sacramento Kings are. That doesn't mean you have to say, yep, I was wrong. The Kings are NBA champions. Yep, I was wrong. DeMontis Sabonis is the best center in the league. Yep, I was wrong. De'Aaron Fox is absolutely the MVP. You don't have to go that far. But try this. Repeat after me. I was wrong about the Sacramento Kings. I misunderstood or misrepresented how good the Sacramento Kings are. The Kings didn't have to win the Tyrese Halliburton or DeMontis Sabonis trade, even though they are clear winners from that trade. DeMontis Sabonis was a great pickup for them. He's playing excellent basketball. He's an all-NBA caliber center. De'Aaron Fox and this Kings team is a legitimate threat in the Western Conference. I was wrong. It's not hard to say that. And that, again, does not mean that you have to exalt these Sacramento Kings as the champions of tomorrow. You don't have to become a fan of the team. You don't have to hop on the bandwagon. You don't have to defend everything that they do from here on out. You don't even have to become a believer of what the Kings are doing. If you still have skepticisms with how far they can go in the playoffs, yeah, join the club. The Kings haven't proven that yet. But that doesn't mean that you can ignore purposely intentionally ignore and undermine what the Kings are doing right now, what they did all last season based off of one playoff series, even if that was the only Kings basketball that you watched last year. It's lame. It's tired and it's lame. The Sacramento Kings, De'Aaron Fox, DeMondis Sabonis, Mike Brown, top to bottom. The Kings deserve a lot more respect than that. Today's episode of the Long Time Kings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. All you have to do is invest $5. And I've said this before, find the game that has the heaviest favorite you can possibly find in terms of the money line. Find that team, bet on that team. It doesn't matter if the return for those $5 is $0.05. Cents. Who cares? Because it's about the 150 bonus bets that you're going to be getting. $150 in bonus bets that you can then use all NFL season long, all NBA season long to bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I hope you took my advice and you bet on the Sacramento Kings initially to win the uh, or, or or come out of the West Group C in the play-in tournament. Because the Kings had the fourth worst odds out of the five teams in that group. The fourth worst odds to come out of it. And here they are at the top of the group at this point in time. And it doesn't they don't show any signs of looking back. 
I hope you made it, took advantage of that bet. That's just an example of the many fun things that you can bet on involving Sacramento Kings basketball. So go check out FanDuel. If you're thinking about joining, now is the perfect time. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. As fun as it is to talk about De'Aaron Fox as an MVP, uh, MVP candidate and DeMondis Sabonis with his great night and the Kings winning their fifth straight, this game did not get off to a good start at all. The Kings were in an 18-point hole almost immediately in this game. They were trailing 23-5, to if I'm not mistaken. Like, Sacramento came out of the gate, and the word that I used, and I think it was appropriate, was sleepy. They looked sleepy. They were playing slow. No hustle on either ends of the floor. They weren't pushing the tempo on offense. They were settling for three-point shots, weren't even trying to attack the San Antonio Spurs, who came into this game with the worst defense in the league. And the Kings were not attacking them early on. The starters completely dropped the ball. Completely dropped the ball in tonight's game. At least to start this game. Now, believe it or not, I'm going to turn that into a positive here in just a second. Victor Wimbanyama, 27 points, 9 rebounds, 2 steals tonight. Victor Wimbanyama gave the Kings problems. I have no issue with that, truth be told. It's the first time that the Kings have ever played against uh, Wemby. It's the first time Mike Brown and this coaching staff have ever matched up with Wemby and coached against Wemby, even if they have all the film in the world to play against and take on a freak of nature like Victor Wimbanyama is. Like, it was really, really fun to watch him. He's an unbelievable talent. I'm really excited for his future and really excited for him to continue to work with uh, with Popovich uh, and the San Antonio Spurs going forward. But I, I have no issue with Wemby giving the Kings problems. Maybe the Kings shouldn't have struggled as mightily against Zach Collins as they did in this game. But truthfully, in the end, despite how poorly the starters played tonight with the exception of Fox and, Hall- and Sabonis, and despite how poorly of a start or how uh, how poor of a start the Kings had, I thought tonight was another example of how the Sacramento Kings are a good basketball team on their way to great. Not just because they won, but the bench stepped up. It was the bench that got the Kings back into the game. The Kings were down 18 points in the first quarter. At the end of the first quarter, they were down two. They took a lead quickly in the start of the second quarter and led for much of the second quarter. That's because of the bench. Now, not the full bench unit. It's not like it was a hockey substitution and all five bench players came in. It was Malik Monk and Sasha Vazenkov who first came into this game replacing Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes, and they had an immediate impact. Malik Monk tonight, 20 points, 7 of 11 from the field, 6 of 9 from three-point range, 8 assists. We know what Malik Monk does off the bench. He also... Had another ridiculous dunk, just a nasty dunk tonight. And I made the joke that he's wanted now in both Utah uh, and in Texas for, uh, for for murder, for manslaughter with how he's attacking the rim. My goodness, when Malik decides to fly high, he can fly high, and he was also raining it down from three-point range tonight. So Malik was huge. Why am I pointing this out so much? Because remember the Kings-Lakers win on Wednesday night? It was all starters. Three players. Fox, 28 points. Herter, 28 points. Sabonis, 29 points. Nobody on the bench reached double digits. And I said after that game, hey, it was it, it's nice to see that on a night where you needed your starters to carry you to a win on the road against a really, really good Lakers team, 
They did it. On the very next night, the Sacramento Kings starters come out flat. Three of the five starters really struggle. Kevin Herter only nine points. Harrison Barnes only seven points. Keegan Murray only six points. The three of them combined for 34% from the field, nine of 26. On a night where three of your five starters were not doing it, the bench stepped up. That's depth, right? Because not everybody is going to be on every single night. There are nights where the Kings will get big performances from everybody. We saw that against the Cleveland Cavaliers. But not every single night are the Kings going to be able to rely on all five starters, as well as the three or four guys consistently coming off the bench in Mike Brown's rotation. You have Monk step up. You have Chris Duarte with only six points, but uh, had great defense and won the defensive player of the game crown. Like, to me, I'm really excited by the fact that two very different games... Two very different teams, two very different starts, because I've been praising and singing the praises of the fact that what the Kings have done really well over this winning streak is establish themselves in the first and third quarters. They did not do that to start this game tonight, but the bench bailed their ass out. It's nice to have a bench that's capable of doing that. And this Kings team has that, and they showed that tonight. That does not excuse that the Kings played horribly to start this game, and if it were against a better team, that 18-point lead may have gotten into the mid-20s or high-20s, or the Kings would not have been able to close the gap as easily as they were able to. But also, hey, maybe the Kings are starting to become the thing that so many good teams have been against Sacramento that has driven me crazy over the last couple decades, which is the Kings play have a really good quarter or get off to a really good start, or a red hot, or whatever the case may be. And just like that, all that work is gone. That's what the Kings did to the San Antonio Spurs, except it didn't take a half for them to close the gap. It literally took half of a quarter. That's great to see from Sacramento. They won a game in a different way, on the road. I know the Spurs aren't a good basketball team, but anytime you can come back from down 18 in a quarter, let alone a game, and win... That's very solid. Also, the Kings' best defensive quarter tonight was the fourth quarter. When they had to buckle in on defense, they held the Spurs to just 26 points in the fourth quarter after giving up 31 in the first and second and 32 in the third. So the defense stepped up when it mattered. They still gave up 120 points. Not ideal. Defense could definitely be better, of course. But when they had to play the defense, they stepped up in the fourth quarter. Also nice to see. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by Jace Medical. We spend a lot of time together, you and I. We talk about wins and losses, getting fired up or disappointed after each one. We talk about who starts and who sits, all things Kings basketball, and I'm thankful for that connection that we have. But today, I want our chat to be a little more personal. I learned that you can get a one-year supply on ED medications. You realize what that means? Bring on the extended travel, bring on the next natural disaster or supply chain issue. You are covered, my friend. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics for Cialis, Viagra, or whatever. And this is possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code Locked On at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace. I am thankful for the service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut my pills in half in order to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than pharmacies. I highly recommend this to everyone. If you or someone you know would get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any 
of your daily medications. Go to jacemedical.com and see that if it offered uh, if it is offered for you. Remember to use promo code locked on for twenty dollars off your purchase. So before the Kings and Spurs tipped off tonight, one of the major talking points, at least in Sacramento Kings land and, and Kings circles, was an article from Yahoo Sports today that talked about potential landing destinations and, and, and ideal landing destinations for Chicago Bulls shooting guard Zach Levine. If you remember, the Kings actually signed Levine to an offer sheet. He was a restricted free agent. The Bulls matched that offer, and Zach Levine became and remained a Chicago Bull. This article mentions the Lakers, mentions a handful of teams as like ideal landing destinations for Levine or, or destinations that Levine would like to go play at or, or wouldn't mind being traded to. I think it also talked about, I guess, the New York Knicks are a team that Levine and his camp don't want him to go and play for. In that article, there was a line that said Levine, according to rumors and according to reports, Levine wouldn't mind playing for the Sacramento Kings. Now, I saw a pretty 50-50 split on, yes, that would be great. No, don't do it, Kings. And I understand both arguments. I like aspects of the idea of Zach Levine. Right, I always had in the back of my head thinking like, man, what would that Fox and Levine backcourt had looked like? Right, especially out in transition. Levine is one of the, the most fun high flyers out there. Should have won a dunk contest. Probably should have won two. And of course, we know the speed of De'Aaron Fox. Like, what is that going to look like? Boy, would that be exciting. And Zach Levine is a, a offensive firecracker. He can get going at any given time. He's, uh, for his career, averaged 20 points per game, 46% from the field, 38% from three-point range, 83% from the free-throw line, four rebounds, four assists. Like, he is a good, solid player. But, if the Kings are trying to play better defense, uh, Zach Levine ain't doing it for you. Some people, I think, overuse the term injury-prone for Levine. He's had some pretty significant injuries in his career, but he's done a relatively good job of, for the most part, staying healthy. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about that necessarily. But he's a shooting guard. The Sacramento Kings have a good starting shooting guard now in Kevin Herter, who is not only hitting shots, although I know he struggled tonight, but he's doing a much better job on the defensive end and, 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 and crashing the glass. So Kevin Herter is doing what the Sacramento Kings need out of that shooting guard position right now. So unless you're considering moving Harrison Barnes as part of the deal, which I have no idea what the, the Bulls would ask for, if you're considering moving Barnes as part of the deal and playing small with Herter at the three and Levine at the two, I think I'm okay with where the Kings are at with Kevin Herter at the two-guard spot at this point in time. Now, there's many that believe the Bulls are on their way to a fire sale because it's just not working. And two other names that have come up, Alex Caruso and DeMar DeRozan. Now, Levine, Caruso, DeRozan, three names that all pique my interest for different reasons. Caruso for his defense. DeMar DeRozan is the starting three for the Kings with that, that, that veteran experience in the playoffs. And then Zach Levine for some of the reasons that I just listed. But I don't know how true it is that those guys are on the, 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 the trade block. I don't know if they're the right kind of targets for Sacramento and how much of a difference it makes. If the Kings are going to make a move at the trade deadline, it's to put themselves in a position to make a championship run. Maybe DeRozan helps with that. Maybe Levine helps with that. Maybe Caruso's defense helps with that in the playoffs. I don't know. 
I am excited, though, because I'm going to be talking to a, 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 a guest who covers the Chicago Bulls next week. I've already uh, worked it out. Um, we're, we're doing an interview next week, and we're going to talk about all three guys. We're going to talk about what the Bulls might ask from the Kings, what those guys could do for Sacramento, and get kind of the Bulls' perspective on everything. So keep an eye out for that coming next week, uh, an in-depth podcast talking about the Kings and Bulls as trade partners, specifically focusing on Levine, DeRozan, and Caruso. So keep an eye out for that. And if you want to weigh in on any of those three that you would like and why, or if you don't like any of those three, hit me up in the comment section down below at Matt George Sack. Uh, you can also hit me on Twitter there and you can email me Matt George sports at gmail.com. That does it for an epi- another episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. I appreciate your support as always. If you could do me a favor, I'm trying to get our reviews up and, and, and get a, a recent, a more recent review on the Locked on Kings podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's We're like at 399, so I want to get to that 400 reviews mark, so hit five stars over there. And if you could leave a custom review, like there's a little area for you to write a line or two about why you like the podcast, why you'd encourage others to listen to the podcast. Believe it or not, that helps us out a ton. And for those of you who are watching on YouTube, hit the notification uh, bell so you can get updated every time a podcast comes out. Hit the like button. That makes a big difference. Comment, uh, subscribe. That all helps the Locked on Kings podcast reach more fans out there, not just Kings fans, but NBA fans that need to hear about and need to know and understand what the Sacramento Kings are doing. I appreciate your support as always. Appreciate you helping me out with that aspect. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is coming up next. I believe the Kings have the Dallas Mavericks on Sunday. And the Mavericks have been off to a really, really good start this season, so that'll be a fun test for Sacramento. Uh, We'll see how the Kings fare in that game. I'll have a post-game pod for that, plus more great content coming all next week. Even though it's Thanksgiving week, I got a lot of Locked On Kings episodes and a lot of great content coming your way. Also, I'm going to do an in-depth conversation about Harrison Barnes, kind of the the good, bad, and ugly, and, and some of the truths about Harrison Barnes and his role with the Sacramento Kings and if the Kings should be looking to upgrade that position at the trade deadline. I'm going to have that conversation with Chris Biederman uh, from the Sacramento Bee. And uh, so I hope he uh, you will join me for that episode that's also coming next week as well. So very excited about all that. Can't wait to have you join me then. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.